So let us pray. Help us, O oh God, to draw close to you and your word and to hear your small voice in the tumble of words. Touch our hearts and grant us grace to consecrate our lives to you and serve you with gladness. Amen. Friends, there are indications all around us and indeed in the notices today that we are just about to enter Advent and Christmas. All kinds of things, mince pies in the shops, thankfully, and colour and form and lights and trees and, and each Sunday leading up to Advent and Advent Sunday, the gospel readings are really challenging. So I hope you're ready for this. We have the parable of the talents. It's an intriguing story. What does it mean? Well, do not be misled into thinking that this parable is a gospel narrative that reinforces the notion that the place and wealth of the privileged and entitled is set. That somehow the rich are going to get richer and the poor are going to get poorer. Moreover, they're going to get thrown out. It's true that we observe this kind of thing as we look around the economic, social and political chaos of our own country and other countries in the world. Indeed, there is a, a song, a Victorian hymn, which used to be in the Methodist Sunday School hymnal in the days that we had one. The hymn was all things bright and beautiful. And it had this verse in it. The rich man in his castle and the poor man at his gate, God made them high or lowly and ordered their estate. Now, I have to tell you, that is theological nonsense, mumbo-jumbo, travesty of the truth of the gospel. So... What does this parable teach? Well, we hear Jesus. He sets the scene. He does it in a way that people will know and understand and experience. A rich man, fabulously rich. He is going on a journey. So he gathers his three best Servants who look after his estate, who look after his finances, they look after the, the, the people who do the work. And he says to one, I'm going to give you five talents, to another, two talents, and to a third, one talent. Now, before we run along the parable and feel sorry for the one that only has one, of these bags of gold, it was said in the reading, or talents. Let's understand that this amount was the equivalent of 16 years of salary for the average person in that day. So, if we bring it into 2023, 
and say, what is 16 years worth of salary for the average wage earner in this country? The answer is over 600,000 pounds. So one talent, well, it's nearly as much as a Methodist minister earns. <laughs> one talent is a lot of money. So he goes on his journey. And when he returns, he calls the three servants to him. And the first two have done well. They have doubled the value they were given. And therefore, they're given more responsibility. And they're invited to enter the joy of your master. Now, friends, feel sorry for the third servant. He is in deep, deep trouble. What is his failing? He did the safe thing. Actually, he did the lazy thing, according to his master. His master said, actually, well, you could have invested in the building society nationwide. I've got a good deal on at the moment. Why didn't you do that? No, he went and hid it in a hole. The implication is that the talent that had been given to him should have been used, it should have been circulated, it should have been earning. Now this is all about the business of finance. And while we're here, let's just pause for a moment and remind ourselves what it is that John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, what it is that he said about the use of money. You can find his sermon online. And if ever you're feeling as though you can't get to sleep one night, then just go online and get it up. You'll be asleep in no time at all. So it's quite a long sermon, but here is the three main points. The first thing he said is that you should gain all you can shouldn't gain money by dishonest means. We shouldn't do it in such a way that would injure our bodies or compromise our health. Nor should we do it in a way that would injure or disadvantage other people. But in the midst of that, gain all you can, work hard. And when you have that, save all you can. Now, he doesn't mean take a trip to the building society and put the money in there. Now, what he means is, be careful. Live simply. Don't spend on trivialities. Save what you can so that you can give all you can. Actually, he says, Wesley says in the sermon, we might as well throw our money in the sea as place it in the bank. Well, I don't know whether there's any bankers here today, but you might take issue with that. But his point is that we're entrusted with this money, with possessions and things, and we should be using our resources, yes, to ensure that we can live okay for the good of our family, but actually to help others and to benefit them. 
So, that's the Wesleyan advice on finance. But friends, this parable is not really about money. This is about the business of service in the kingdom of God. It's not just specific or special talents, you know. The only people with talents are the people who can preach, like Tony, who is, uh, and like Lansford, and like Ali, or can play the organ, like Gerard when he's not in Australia. Uh, and, you know, the people who've got great and obvious gifts. No, everyone has a gift, actually. Everyone has a talent. You may not feel as though it's as great and as good as that, but you can bring your half-talent, you can bring your gift, your graces, into the service of God. And actually, it means the whole of our being, the whole of our faith, the whole of our abilities, our gifts and graces, graces and yes, our possessions, our money, our assets, all of them placed in the service of God. If you like, we call it discipleship. If we just keep these talents and don't lose, use them, then we lose the effectiveness of them. I have, a, I have an interest in clocks. You know, the kind of clocks that you wind up, right? Not ones that have batteries in. And uh, I've got one or two at home. I've got a, a Victorian war clock and I've got a long case clock. And these clocks, most of the war clocks, were bought by my father, who uh, was working uh, as, uh, in housing in Huddersfield in Yorkshire. And in 1975, in local government reorganization, they built new buildings and they had electric clocks everywhere. They didn't need these wind-up clocks. So he bought a few of them. And I've got one, my brother's got one, my children have them now. But when, <laughs> we, got, we got a lot, yeah? Uh, and when he got them, some of them hadn't been used for some time. And they had gunge and grime and dirt and oil that had become all sort of muddy. We had to clean them. We had to oil them. And now, there they are. Brass workings, fusé workings, if you want to know. They are working really well. Clocks want to be wound. Clocks need to work. And in the same way, Christian discipleship. God wants us to use the very gifts and graces that we have in his service, their talents. Now, today, we're going to have a wonderful service of, of confirmation and reception into membership. And that's, that's a wonderful thing and a great day for us all, but especially for Papa Kale and for Jake, and for Joshua, and Patience, and Jose. But we all come to stand and say yes to Jesus, 
and yes to discipleship, and yes to using our talents. Not just them, all of us, actually. So what did the third servant do wrong? How did he fail? Well, as I've said, he played safe. He tried to preserve just what he had. He didn't apply it. You know, how do you spell faith? I think you spell faith R-I-S-K. We need to take a risk with God. We need to take a risk with the way that God deals with us. You know, if the Wesleyan Methodist minister Thomas Champness and his wife Eliza had not started the Joyful News newspaper and mission, we wouldn't have Cliff College today. If people had not bought up the land that was available in Westminster, where there was an aquarium and a circus, we wouldn't have this building today. If George Piercy, a labourer from Pickering in Yorkshire, who felt called to China, if he just simply agreed with the Wesleyan Methodists that they didn't really want to do that, but he set off and he sailed to Hong Kong. And there he began his ministry. And if he hadn't done that, then probably we wouldn't have the vigorous, creative Methodist church in Hong Kong and the Methodist International Church. I don't know whether you've got your copy of the big issue to this week. You've got Prin Prince Charles, King Charles, sorry, sorry. King Charles's photograph on the front page. And it talks about the Coronation Food Project. And in that, it talks about Kensal Rise Methodist Church. And there, the, the Reverend uh, Esther Akam is leading a group of people and they're preaching the gospel and they're feeding 50 families and they're sending food out for another 50 people, 50 families, actually. That's a work of the gospel. It's taken a risk in the business of God. And it has an effect. Now you say to me, excuse me, Howard, I, I'm only little. I, I, you know, I, I just come here to worship. I, I don't have a gift. I don't have a talent. I can't do this. I want to say to you, friends, you can. God has given you something you can do. Some gift and grace that you can bring. And he wants you to use it. Otherwise, like the clocks, it'll all get gunged up. And when we use it, it grows. When we use it, it's effective. When we use it, God really uses that gift and grace for the benefit of others. So the question is not how much. It's about what we're doing with what we are and what we have as a church, as Christian individuals. 
what are you risking today? What are you risking today? How are you serving? How are you using your talents? It's not enough just to keep them safe. It's not enough just to protect them. As Christian disciples, the whole variety of ways in which we can be involved in proclaiming our faith, sharing it with friends, standing for justice, caring for creation, serving the community. The final verses of this parable are shocking. They're there to make us pause. They're there to remind us that everything we are, everything we have, everything we do is an in, in the context of eternity. You know, Donald English great mentor and scholar and preacher and just a downright good person. Donald English, after whom there is a room named in this building, said we should always live with an eye to the future. So friends, what are you going to do in the service of Christ, in the power and the spirit to use all that we have and are in his service. In these, this fortnight that we have leading up to Advent Sunday now, why not reflect on this parable? And then on that Sunday, at the beginning of that Christian year, the Christian lectionary year, on Advent Sunday, the 3rd of December, why don't you make your commitment? Why don't you tell another person what God is challenging you to do? And why don't you put it into action? If you will, I will. Or rather, maybe I should say, since I'm the preacher, I will. Will you? May God bless you and give to you his grace and his peace. Amen.